What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about actress Tessa Thompson and the movie Mank. But first, let's talk about the career of actress Tessa Thompson. I first saw her in the movie Creed, which is, of course, a part of the popular Rocky franchise. This movie was really great. I didn't expect it to be this good. Of course, it is an excellent showcase for Michael B. Jordan and Sylvester Stallone, who got an Oscar nomination for this movie. But I think one of the biggest reasons for the success of this movie was the performance of Tessa Thompson. I thought she was great groundbreaking in this film. She was way more interesting than any other female character in the franchise. And for my money, Tessa Thompson steals that movie. And then she goes on to co-star with Chris Hemsworth in Thor Ragnarok, where she helped resurrect that franchise and had great chemistry with both Hemsworth and Mark Ruffalo. Thor Ragnarok is one of the funnier Marvel films, and Tessa Thompson plays a huge part of that. Of course, it was directed by Taika Waititi who's become one of the better directors working today. It is one of the funniest films and a super fun watch. Then Thompson has an incredible 2018 starring in two of the most underrated films of that year. First, Annihilation, one of the best sci-fis I've ever seen from the sci-fi master himself, Alex Garland, who wrote the script for Never Let Me Go and Sunshine and also directed Ex Machina. Tessa Thompson has a small supporting role in this film that stars Natalie Portman with Oscar Isaac, Benedict Wong, Jennifer Jason Lee. If you have not seen Annihilation, you are missing out on something truly epic and original. Not enough people saw this absolute masterpiece. And again, Thompson gives a really good performance. Her scenes with Natalie Portman in this film are incredible. And then she co-stars with Lakeith Stanfield in Sorry to Bother You, this indie film from Boots Riley. This film is incredible and it's such an unexpectedly brilliant performance from Tessa Thompson. It brought me back to when I saw her in Creed. It was so out of nowhere, this kind of performance. That's what's so fascinating about Tessa Thompson. She's kind of the modern actress. She goes back and forth between small indies like Little Woods, which is a really good film where she co-stars with Lily James. I highly recommend that film. She goes back and forth between small indies like that and these mainstream stream epic blockbusters like Men in Black International where she reteamed with Chris Hemsworth. That film was not a success, but a lot of her other mainstream projects have been. I mean, Westworld is one of the more popular shows on HBO and she plays a pivotal role in that. And oh, by the way, she appeared in the biggest movie of all time, Avengers Endgame. I think when you look at the career of a modern actress, they are going to have their mirror the career of Thompson, go back and forth between the blockbusters that get you wider audiences in the indies where you get to showcase your talent. And that gets me to the best performance of Tessa Thompson's career. I think it's in Thor Ragnarok. I think people forget just how done with the Thor franchise we were after Thor The Dark World. That film was absolute trash. I don't like that movie at all. I won't watch a minute of it. It's probably the only MCU movie I can say that about. I was completely done with 
Thor as a franchise that I cared about. And now, after Thor Ragnarok, it's one of the more popular MCU franchises right now. I mean, I can't wait for the sequel to Thor Ragnarok, which is going to have Tessa Thompson, Natalie Portman return, and Christian Bale. I can't wait for that movie. And I think Tessa Thompson played a huge part of that. She fits in with the comedic tone of that movie so well. I mean, when you meet her, she's a drunk deadbeat. And of course, she has incredible chemistry with Christian Hemsworth. I mean, that's why Hollywood is like, we're going to make them our new duo. We're going to put them in Men in Black International. And that's probably not the last time these two are probably going to star in movies together for a very long time. I didn't care about the character of Valkyrie going into that movie. Now it's one of my favorite female characters in the MCU. And that all goes to the credit of Tessa Thompson. Upcoming movies that Thompson are going to star in include Passing, which is a directorial debut of actress Rebecca Hall. It's going to co-star Ruth Nega and Andre Holland. I am extremely interested in this film. I mean, Thompson with Ruth Nega and Andre Holland. Sign me up. And oh, by the way, like I mentioned before, Thor, Love and Thunder, the return of Natalie Portman, Christian Bale is going to be joining the franchise, and of course, Chris Hemsworth returning as Thor. It was announced that Chris Pratt is going to be a part of this movie. I mean, Taika Waititi is going to bring this franchise to an even higher place. I cannot wait for this franchise to return. And again, the reason I'm excited for this franchise is because of the success of Thor Ragnarok and Tessa Thompson played a huge pivotal part in that. At the end of Avengers Endgame, she was named the ruler of Asgard. I'm excited to see where that character can go. And I hope Tessa Thompson plays a more pivotal role in the MCU moving forward. Here's a list of movies you must watch if you want to enjoy the work of Tessa Thompson. Creed, the HBO show Westworld, Thor Ragnarok, Sorry to Bother You, Annihilation, Little Woods, Creeds 2, and Avengers Endgame. Watch these movies and appreciate the work of Tessa Thompson because she's not going anywhere anytime soon. She's one of the biggest movie stars in the world right now, and I think she's underrated. I don't think a lot of people pay attention, but her career, she's been playing it pretty well up until this point. She's been in way more great movies than bad ones. And I think we are in the beginning stages of a brilliant career for Tessa Thompson, not the end of one. Now let's switch gears and talk about the movie Mank. Here's a quick synopsis. Screenwriter Herman Mankiewicz is hired by up-and-coming filmmaker Orson Welles to live in isolation and write the screenplay that wound up being the classic film Citizen Kane. This was one of my most anticipated movies of the year. It was a lot of people's most anticipated movie of the year. It's, of course, directed by David Fincher, and I absolutely love this movie. It's one of my favorite movies of this year. It's one of the only films of this year that I've seen twice. This movie 100% lived up to my expectations and probably went even further than that. David Fincher is a master filmmaker, so let's get into exactly what I liked about this movie. First off, per usual, Gary Oldman, who plays Herman Mankiewicz, gives a great leading performance. I would not be surprised if he was Oscar nominated for this role. He's playing a complicated character, he's an alcoholic and not the greatest husband, yet he makes the character likable and funny at times. 
says what's on his mind, he's authentic, and a little bit ahead of his time. I mean, I've been living in the era where Gary Oldman has mostly been a supporting actor in franchises like the Dark Knight Trilogy and the Harry Potter franchise, and while I think he's brilliant in those and those do show how great of an actor he is, it's really cool that Gary Oldman is back to being an interesting leading man. Of course, he won the Oscar for Darkest Hour when he played Winston Churchill. I think this stage of Gary Oldman's career is a lot more interesting than people are giving him credit for, and this performance is one of the better performances of the year. I would have him nominated for an Oscar. I think he's that funny. I think he's that witty. He has insane chemistry with every single person in this movie. I think it's one of the best leading performances of the year. And I think we don't want to give Gary Oldman credit because he's already a legend. But I'm not giving him credit for that. I'm giving him credit because I think it's an extraordinary performance and I couldn't imagine anyone else playing this character as well. I don't care about the age difference. A lot of people have talked about how Herman Mankiewicz was a lot younger than Gary Oldman is in this movie. I don't care. I think Gary Oldman is one of the best actors of all time and gives a really good performance. And to go along with Oldman, there are three special performances by three actresses. First off, I have to talk about Amanda Seyfried who plays Marion Davis, a classic old movie star. She gives a career best performance and I will say this right now, Amanda Seyfried is definitely a lock to win the Best Supporting Actress Oscar. She should definitely win that award. I mean, I've been a fan of Seyfried's career up until this point. She was really good in Mean Girls. Up until this point, I thought her best performance was in Noah Baumbach's While We're Young, where she plays Adam Driver's wife, where she's basically playing the face of the millennials. Like, I absolutely loved her in that role. She's really funny. And I think in this role as Marion Davies, what shines most is her humor. This is the definition of a great supporting performance. She doesn't carry the movie and then when she does enter it, she makes it a lot better. She makes it more fun and she makes it more funny. That is the definition of a great supporting performance. She is captivating in the role and it leaves people wanting more of her character. Guess what? That's not a problem with the movie. That's the great of the movie. That's what a great supporting performance does. That's why she deserves to take home a golden statue. Then you have Lily Collins, who I think I'm a fan of more than most people, and I think she gives her best performance since Warren Beatty's Rules Don't Apply, where she was nominated for a Golden Globe for that performance. I think this movie should also garner Oscar attention. I think she is fantastic. She has great chemistry with Gary Oldman. So does Amanda Seyfried. I think that Lily Collins is spectacular in this movie. And again, it shows when working with great directors, I think Lily Collins gives better performances. I mean, with Warren Beatty and Rules Don't Apply along with Alden Enright, those two were spectacular in that film, and now she's working with David Fincher, and I think she's giving another career-defining performance. I think Lily Collins is very underrated as an actress because maybe some of her other projects aren't as good, but I think some of her other projects are better than most people. Like, I love the movie Tolkien with Nicholas Holt. In the movie, extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile, the movie about Ted Bundy where Zac Efron plays Ted Bundy. I thought Lily Collins was really good in that, but that movie didn't get that much attention. Whatever. I think she's really good. I don't care about Emily in Paris. I don't care about why other people maybe don't like her. I think she is one of the better actresses working today. And again, I would like to see this performance Gardner Award buzz because I think it's worthy of that. And finally, you have Tuppence Middleton, who is playing the wife of Herman Mankiewicz, who is having 
having an incredible 2020. She showed up in the sci-fi horror film Possessor, and now she's in the film Mank. I really liked her performance in this movie, and I think it's interesting to note that she also played the wife of Thomas Edison in the movie The Current War, along with Benedict Cumberbatch. I think it's interesting she continues to play the wives of these complicated yet brilliant men. And the other two performances I want to talk about this movie come from Tom Burke and Charles Dance. They are really good in this movie, playing larger-than-life men, these historical figures, the power figures in Mank's life, Orson Welles, the historical great filmmaker, and William Randolph Hearst, this newspaper tycoon who a lot of people believe Citizen Kane is based off of. I've heard a lot of people complain about how these two characters should be in this movie more, and I think that's missing the point of the greatness of the movie. The idea that Orson Welles should be all over this movie is ridiculous. He's supposed to be this mythical figure who you don't know a lot about. He's supposed to be larger than life. You're not supposed to see him. And the same for William Randolph Hearst. You're not supposed to see Charles Dance a lot in this movie. That's the point of the movie. That's what helps make it brilliant. They feel larger than life throughout the movie up until the end. The less you see of them, the more powerful they feel to Mang. Now let's talk about the director of this movie, David Fincher. This is his return to movies. He last made a film in 2014, and this was well worth the wait. This movie is about a lot of things, not just about the co-writer of Citizen Kane. It's about the dark side of Hollywood and the people in power behind the scenes. There's a scene in this film where Mank learns that Hearst is paying half of his salary just because he likes Mank. He doesn't care about him as a writer. He doesn't think he's a great writer. He just thinks he's fun to hang around with. That's the reason why Hearst is paying half of his salary. The idea that this guy is paying someone's salary just because he likes to be around them, that shows the dark side of the business and how much power a guy like Hearst had on the industry. I mean, people like him pretend to care about people, but truly only care about their own personal fortune. I mean, with this film, David Fincher adds to his all-time great filmography. You've got Seven, of course, the great Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman film, Fight Club, Brad Pitt and Norton, The Game, the Michael Douglas Sean Penn thriller, Panic Room with Jodie Foster and Kristen Stewart, Zodiac that features all-time performances from Robert Downey Jr., Mark Ruffalo and Jake Gyllenhaal, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button with a great Cate Blanchett performance along with Brad Pitt, The Social Network, one of my favorite movies of all time with all-time great performances from Jesse Eisenberg, Andrew Garfield, Rooney Mara, Army Hammer, Justin Timberlake, the list goes on with that movie. The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which I think is his underrated classic. It features my favorite performance from Daniel Craig and the best performance of Rooney Mara's career. It's the reason why it's one of her two Oscar-nominated performances. I mean, I really wish that this film got a sequel. And then, of course, you have Gone Girl that features a really great Ben Affleck performance performance and I think introduces most of the world to Rosman Pike. I mean, you look at this guy's filmography and he's one of the best filmmakers of all time. He's one of my favorites. He's one of my top three directors. I would go Christopher Nolan, Noah Baumbach, and David Fincher. Like when those people make movies, I need to watch them because I think they're an experience and most of their movies are utterly rewatchable. And that's what I can say about David Fincher. He makes entertaining and fascinating movies that are endlessly re- 
rewatchable. I mean, the guy has one bad movie on his resume, and it's his first film, which he denounced, Aliens 3. Other than that, I think all of his films are either really good or great, and most of them go into the great category. My favorite scene in Mank is when Orson Welles visits Mank in person, and Mank asks Welles for credit for writing Citizen Kane. In that moment, Mank knows that this is his last chance to be remembered as a great writer. It's also really fascinating for a director like Fincher to have a scene where a writer and director argue over credit. I mean, in the film, we are led to believe that Mank has agreed to write Citizen Kane along with Orson Welles, but Welles will get sole credit for writing that screenplay. And then, through the advice of some other characters like Hausman in the film, Mank thinks that this is his best writing. I mean, the Lily Collins character tells Mank the entire film, this is some of your best writing. And then Mank truly begins to believe his own hype. And of course, this is a guy who wants to be remembered as a great writer. And the earlier portions of the film, you see a man who wants to be remembered as a great writer. He was fired from The Wizard of Oz. I mean, even though he's so anti-establishment, he still wants to be thought of as a great writer by the establishment. I think that aspect of this film is so fascinating. And again, the scene between Oldman and Burke is just so great. I mean, Burke gets over-the-top angry over Mank wanting credit. I mean, the phone conversations throughout the film of Wells and Mank was building up to this moment, and then the moment 100% lived up to the hype, and that's what I'll say about this film and that scene, is it 100% lives up to the hype. I also love the look of this movie. I know a lot of people will listen to this and go, I don't want to watch a black and white movie. Yes, Mank is in black and white, and a lot of people will be troubled by that, because again, color is amazing. We all know color is amazing, but some of the best modern films have been in black and white. George Clooney's film, Good Night and Good Luck, is one of the best films I've ever seen. It's in black and white. It's a modern film in black and white. Francis Ha is an incredible film by Noah Baumbach. It is one of my all-time favorites. It's a modern film in black and white. And then recently, you have The Lighthouse. Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse. This film is incredible. Pattinson, Defoe, they are incredible in this film. Guess what? That film is a modern film in black and white. You can still be interesting, modern, and one of the best movies made today, even though it's made in black and white. And this film is in black and white for a purpose. It's about a making of a film that was made in black and white. It's about the time period of the 1940s Hollywood. It's paying homage to a time period, and I think it does it in a beautiful and majestic way. This is one of the best movies of the year, and I'm hoping Amanda Seyfried gets the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress, and more importantly, I'm hoping that David Fincher wins the Oscar for Best Director. This guy is one of the best directors of all time. Again, look at his resume. He's one of the all-time greats. It's embarrassing how many all-time great directors don't have Academy Awards for movies that are their absolute best. I mean, Martin Scorsese won for The Departed. That's not his best film. Mank might be the best work, at least director-wise, David Fincher has done. It's not his best film, but I think it's worthy of giving him best director. It's the absolute best film from a director this year. Give the guy best director. Because we all know he should have won this award for The Social Network. The other thing I want to say about Mank is whether or not you care about Citizen Kane at all, this film is still worth a watch. It's fun, entertaining, and has really good performances from Gary Oldman, Amanda Seyfried, Lily Collins, Tuppence Middleton, Charles Dance, 
and Tom Burke. And again, you can't miss out on a David Fincher film, even if you're not the biggest fan. He's one of the best directors of all time, and he always comes up big and gives you something surprising, and I was utterly surprised by the film Mank. I definitely recommend you watch Mank. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney. There'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. And this week I put the spotlight on actress Tessa Thompson in the movie Mank. Next week I'm putting the spotlight on the movie's Sound of Metal starring Riz Ahmed and Olivia Cook, and the latest film from director Steven Soderbergh, Let Them All Talk starring Meryl Streep and Lucas Hedges. So tune Tune into that and please rate, review, and subscribe.